welcome to another episode on the All That Glitters podcast. Today, I'm just kind of doing a spill the tea with Nicole Ferrier, uh, talking about all things boobs, boys, and business. This was a really fun conversation. It was just kind of free-flowing. We didn't really have any topics that we wanted to cover particularly, and I really like just talking talking like off the top of my head I want you guys to really just be able to feel like you're having a conversation with me and so that's what this episode's all about if you like content like this or if you want more episodes in this fashion let me know Um, other than that I hope you guys enjoy this you'll learn a little bit more about me and the things that aren't so glamorous that I've been through but hey it's not that way so be ready for the mic drop hello Hello, Kate. Hey. Um, Today was probably the first day where I felt like, okay, since my breakup. It's so interesting how, like, your emotions just, like, come in waves. Literally. I know. Trust me. Like, one day you're like, oh, my God, I'm so much better without him. And then next you're like, what am I going to do? I know. (laughs) I think part of it that helped was just, like, keeping my perspective, like, really open and, um, a lot of times like when I get into my head with relationship type stuff and just situations in general I'm like this is literally all in my brain like it's really not that bad and like I heard like the craziest story today where there's this couple that was like married and this guy he cheated on his wife and started doing coke and he has two daughters like like yeah life could always be worse (laughs) yeah literally sometimes when I feel really bad about myself uh Paul gave me the advice to go walk around Walmart and then feel bad about myself and it always makes me feel better (laughs) thank you Paul (laughs) that should just be a hashtag where it's like thank you Paul hashtag Walmart walks (laughs) (laughs) I need to start doing that actually I wasn't a Walmart today so then no I'm just kidding tell me you didn't see some odd shit every time I go there I'm like what the I did. No, I definitely did. Although I also had my mom looking at baby clothes, thinking that this future dog is going to be her baby. I was like, "Mm, you realize that it's not a human? Like, sorry, I can't can't give you that. Seriously? So my mom is like dying to have grandkids and she was really banking that I was going to be the one to do it. But I'm like single as a dollar bill, like far-fetched. You need so. She was, like, hoping my other sister would, but my other sister is just not even, like, dating right now. And then my younger sister is only, like, 19, so that's not happening. But my younger sister bought a dog. And so whenever the dog comes to the house, my grandma talks to it. She's like, oh, come see Granny. I'm like, oh, that's such a bad voice. Like, I hate the grandma squeal voice that they do. Yeah. And I'm just like, no. I I have, like, a weird mom voice because I have had a dog before. And, like, I would, like, catch myself doing it to, like, other animals. I'm like, ugh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's so weird. But I think we should just take a picture of you, like, holding a French bulldog at a hospital and just, like, be like, look, mom. (laughs) I had a baby. (laughs) I want one so bad. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely would do it. I would get, like, little clothing for it, like a baby hat and everything, maybe even a blanket. Just be like, look at the new nugget. Oh, my God. Yes. So... I think all dogs are little nuggets until they grow up. Then they're chicken strips. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, 
I love dogs and I even like big dogs, but I'm not a big human. And I also am like really OCD with like drool and hair. Yeah. Like it just kind of grosses me out. So I need something that's like small and cute, but like not super like I have to clean up after them because that would drive me insane. Yeah. Uh, if a dog weighs more than me, it freaks me out. Yeah. Like my brother and his fiance bought a dog and it was cute when it was a puppy. But now it's a giant lab, and it's massive. Like, it's larger than I am. And I'm like, I – but my brother is quite a large human, and his fiance is, like, 5'11". She's massive as well. She's from Maine. I think all really large people are, like, born and bred in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> That's um because I'm from Ohio, and I always get it, like, through social media or even in person. They'll be like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Ohio. They're like, you don't look like you're from Ohio. I was like, what does that mean? Like, are – people from Ohio like there's like a standard of what we look like because I'm not a farmer so (laughs) no I'm telling you when you see a Mainer you know they're from Maine you're like yep they look like a tree they're just massive humans they're I've never even seen anyone from Maine so (laughs) yeah well I'll you'll have to creep my I'll send you a picture of my brother and his fiance and you'll be like yeah she's massive for a female and she's from Maine like, and I mean that she's beautiful, like absolutely gorgeous. Like, I don't mean she sounds like a, you know, I'm making her sound like a mammoth. No, she's just like, she could like, she's just very long and limbed and just large. Like yeah, I'm only broad. five to three and a half on a good day. And she's like five, 10, five, 11, like just a large person. Her sister is like six, two, six, three. So they're just a big, big as in tall, like family. Big and tall section. um kate how is i had two questions for you so one how is off season going and two because you just had an augmentation and i was talking about my augmentation today how are your boobies doing (laughs) it's so funny that you asked me this because i literally was just telling someone this the other day so i don't know how yours are as far as like numbness but mine are literally just now numb like on the underneath of the bur- on the underneath of my boob, but like the rest of it's coming back to like sensitivity. And today, when I was working out in the gym, I was like dripping sweat, and it, I felt drip down my cleavage, and like <laughs> it was such a weird feeling. Yeah, I've never had cleavage, and so I've never like had anything dripping down like in between my boobs. And I was like, oh my god, this is a cool sensation. <laughs> I remember typing on my laptop and feeling my arm like hit the side of my boob. I was like, what is that? And I was just like, oh, I have something there. Yeah. Like it's like an interference. It's like when you go to reach for something now, you have to like do the whole reach around thing, which I'm like still getting used to. Like my bicep like always rubs against my boob and I'm like, oh yeah, it's there. I'm still there. Still weird. Like hugging people too. Like that feels different for me. And like, I never like want to hug a guy and then them be like feel my chest and then I don't know I just feel like that might feel weird <laughs> yeah no I definitely and yeah hugging is weird I remember the first time I hugged my dad after I had it done it was like the most awkward hug ever <laughs> yeah I'm like D- did they feel that or <laughs> was it just me <laughs> I feel like the mean girls mom where I'm like are they like harder or are they softer I don't know yeah oh my gosh and like now that mine have like dropped and they're like know boob material like they feel like boobs they're even boob like material they're like they're way more fun like I don't know they just yeah I like them a lot like I I'm very happy with my boobs yeah my um the only thing I actually forgot to mention this is my actual incision site which is under the breast 
one I touched where they were inserted into my body. I hate, why did I pair those words together? Um, yeah, like, it's, it's just like you try to sound, like, make this sound grammatically correct or whatever, but literally we're just talking about boobs. Like, so I was like, when I first started talking about, I'm like, yeah, the breast, but I almost feel more uncomfortable using the word breast. The boobies. Yeah. Like the girls. Like I just reference them as the girls. Like they're great. Yeah. Um, where my incision site is, so I have like complete numbness everywhere else. I feel everything though. Yeah, no, same mine. I mean, I still underneath a little bit is still numb, like right around the incision. Um, but everything else is starting to come back to life, which is super nice. Has, okay. This is like personal. Has your skin broken out? Cause mine went nuts. So no, mine hasn't. I was, but I I heard, I saw you comment. I think you wrote it on your Instagram post that yours was or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was because my surgeon told me like, I was really frustrated because I'm like, really like they look great but then like my skin's breaking out and he said that my pores were stretched so much from the implant and then mm. since they're dropping that like oil is going back into the pores so it can like clog them and cause the skin to break out he's like it's totally normal and I was just like well maybe I'm really stressed but like it's not like normal acne it's like a different kind I've never had before it's skin stretch acne oh my god I hope I never have that kind of ever again <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Um, how was your like I don't like how was your whole like recovery process like I feel like we had very different experiences like yours you were yeah. like in the gym like ASAP Rocky and I literally didn't do anything but walk for like the first four to six weeks so I think people thought I was insane but I went to not to like pump up my surgeon or anything I don't like get hashtag sponsored or anything I don't get crap but <laughs> Discount code, link in bio. Discount code, boobies. No, <laughs> uh, no, Dr. Goldman. So he's actually one of the best surgeons like in the world. He's double board certified. He researches like the most latest techniques when it comes to augmentation. So my augmentation was done through a funnel, um, which is like a really small incision site. And he takes a little bit longer in the surgical room. Um, I also like paid a little bit more considering I wanted to work with him but his thing is he was known for like a rapid recovery technique which for me I had to take into account like my psychological health as well um Mm -hmm. and I kept like asking him I was like are you sure I can like do some stuff in the gym in two weeks he's like yes 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 like he kept telling me over and over again um and my brain was just like exploding when they're like yeah I can do some light lower body movements at like week two I was like, well, what about walking? They're like, ah, that's completely fine. I was like, what about cardio? They're like, it's fine as long as you're not feeling discomfort and you don't want to push yourself too fast. Like, it was weird. And I think the only thing that freaked me out was when I started getting my heart rate back up, I could feel pressure in my chest just from the blood flow, I'm assuming. And Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that would stop me because I would walk at like three miles per hour. My heart would be so fast. Um like I was running. So I think that was partially due to the implant pressure, but also due to the fact that um, in recovery, your actual resting heart rate's going to be increased because your body's working hard to repair. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time that I like literally went into the gym and like, I just remember walking. There was like such pressure and I got freaked mm-hmm. out. Cause I was like, it feels not, like a like, balloon's going to pop. Yeah. I was like, my boobs are going to blow up. Like I, <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what's actually happening here. It was so crazy. Yeah. 
I totally remember that. And I felt bad for you because, well, you had a harder procedure done due to where your current stats were. And the only weird thing with me was my mobility and my arms were weird. And I had like pain in my bicep insertions. Like, and I asked the doctor about it because they had nurses on staff and she said it's because my pec muscle crosses over with my bicep so it's sending like an inappropriate signal to the wrong muscle I was like well this is fun because it burns mm-hmm. so but um if you feel like explaining why was your surgery a little bit harder Kate so first of all my surgeon I knew he was the one when he did not tell me that my surgery was going to be easy. And he like really was like hard about like being realistic. Whereas everyone else that I had seen and talked to was like, Oh yeah, we can do this. Or, Oh yeah, it's going to be, you know, great, whatever. Um, you know, kind of giving you that the stuff that you want to hear. Um, and he was like, look, (laughs) the way that your body frame is the way that, um, like the amount of breast tissue that you have, the amount of fat that you have on you, um, your breast cavity, like we can only fit so much in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so my baseline, you know, body composition um, was I've never had like boobs, like even at my highest weight I've ever had, like I didn't even fill out a B, like I was like pushing maybe an A and there was still like room in the cup. So I basically was my pec muscles um, and then skin and nipple. And that was, that was me. And so when he was looking at me, he's like, we don't have a lot of breast cavity in here to fit uh, an implant. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, like, I don't want to just get like a boob, like a small boob, like the smallest boobs. I want, you know, boobs. Like if I want to pay for boobs, I want the boobs or whatever. And he's like, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's going to be really hard for us to do more than you know a small size i would suggest doing you know the small size which was two 275 uh, um yeah. and they put them on and he could tell by the look on my face like i was not happy um i was like yeah i want boobs but like this might give me a b you know yeah <laughs> i was like i really want to see like if we can get a c i'll be really happy i think that will fit my frame like i wanted them to look natural i wasn't going for like you know the biggest size or whatever but i wanted those feminine curves i'm built like spongebob if you haven't seen me i basically you always say this <laughs> because it's so true i'm like box like i am i'm trying to grow like my shoulders and my lats and my glutes to like make it look like a taper because i'm not i hate this hashtag but i'm not like team no waist like it doesn't matter how lean I get. And I've been like 6% body fat for a female. My waist does not get smaller than 24 inches. It doesn't matter. So in order for me to like build that, I have to like build my frame. Build out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways. So when he was looking at me uh, after I tried them on and he was like, okay, I can tell you're not happy. And I was like, can we just go one more size up? I just want to be a C. And he was like, okay, but I'm going to tell you the way that your anatomy is laid out. Number one, we don't have a lot of tissue, which means we're probably going to have to fray your pec muscle um, in order to make the room. Ooh, that makes my skin crawl. Yeah. So um, he's like, I'm going to try to avoid it, but I, you know, we're not going to be able to go any bigger. Like, I'm not going to give you boobs and have you have stretch marks and like fuck up your skin, like pull skin. He's like, you'll be upset with that. Like, I'm not going to do a bad job. Like, I'm not putting my name on that. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay you know, if we can do the other ones, he's like, I'm going to bring the smaller ones just in case they don't fit. He's like, cause I'm not going to screw up your anatomy in order to give boobs. Like, I'm just not going to do that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had like that agreement or whatever. Um, so, and then after my surgery, he was like, it went well, you know, everything went smoothly. Um, your, and then when I kind of came back to my senses, um, and saw them on, I saw them four days after, um, and he was just kind of walking me through everything that happened in the procedure. And he was just saying, you know, your recovery is going to take a bit longer because like I said, you didn't have much breast cavity for us to fit the implant. And because you wanted the bigger size, like we did have to kind of fray your pec muscle, um, which means that, you know, you're going to be prolonged in the recovery process. Um, So that's kind of how it went. And I went under the muscle as well. So I knew that um, depending on how dense my muscle was in my pec, uh, that that was going to play a factor as well as to how the surgery went. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's why I really, I struggled with it too. Um, But it was... It's, it was really good for me. Like I needed that time off. Yeah. It was actually a big conversation that I had with Paul and he was like, look, you're going to struggle taking the time off. You need it. I think you need it. It will be good for you. Um, but you're going to struggle because of it. And I was like, I know, but like, this is just another test that psychologically I need to get through. And I'm so happy I did. Cause my perspective on like, just working out in general and you know efficiency versus like just doing it to do it and it gave me new perspective on like appreciating the fact that we really do get to do this every single day like it just brought back like my passion and my love and my fire for it like you don't know what you have till it's gone and sometimes in prep it's so routine that you miss the excitement of like the training um and that's something that was really refreshing that that I got out of it so it was super rewarding in the end to take that much time off even though it sucked yeah i have a funny story for you Mm -hmm. um it's about paul so after team U, I that's when i closed my season in 2018 i had i wore my angel competition bikini that emerald one and i stuffed that suit to the brim and (laughs) i also i think had a cutlet in there or something and paul and i were talking after my prejudging it looked like I took like seventh or eighth and it, I ended up getting 10th, which I was like, mm, I just, I need a more size. And that's when I decided to take Nossies. And I told him, I was like, you know, I, I think I'm going to get like an augmentation. It's something I've been thinking about for years now. And Paul like awkwardly looked at me and he's like, well, you could always just like stuff your suit and stuff. And I told him, I was just like, I did. And we just stared at each other for a good, like five seconds. And he's like, well, maybe it'd be a good idea. She's like, but it's totally up to you. And I died. I was just like, you have no idea how much I'm trying to push up these puppies. Yeah, I like, I just never had them. Like, I remember my first show ever, they were like, it needs to be high and tight. You need to, like, because, you know, I didn't have any boobs. So they're like, as as tight as you can, as, as high as you could get it, like, all oh. that stuff. I was like, oh, Lord. I'm over it. But yeah, it was terrible. I mean, it was good, but it was terrible. What was I going to say? So, um, Kate, what's it like being single right now? Being single, honestly, so I was the type of person that was always in a relationship with someone, like, in high school. Like, I was always dating, but it was one of those things where, and I'll say this, like, out loud for everyone, like, I'm crude. I, (laughs) so I was that girl that would, like, date someone until it got to that point where they were, like, yo, 
put like put up or shut up and I was like I'm gonna shut up and walk out the door now yeah like, that was just how I was like no. I wasn't ready to do any of that and I was like yeah it's that time where I feel that pressure so I'm gonna go but this was fun it's like me um so and then in college um I had dated and I got into a relationship with someone who basically lived a double life. Um, and I was playing divisional basketball at the time. So I wasn't worried about him and he was older than me. So I was like, naturally this guy has to have his shit together. Um, but he didn't at all. Um, he just was terrible. And I didn't realize it when I was in it, like how toxic it was and how much it was holding me back from like being myself. Cause I always felt like I had to be, the type of woman that he wanted me to be instead of like just being who I was made to be, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's actually like through that whole experience. And then I tore my knee and I got into bodybuilding and that helped me find passion outside of what I was in. And it was like almost my therapy that got me through it. And it was also what gave me the strength to walk away. Um, and I've never openly talked about this, but it was just uh, a very unhealthy relationship. It was very toxic. There was a lot of lies and manipulation and abuse. Um, And was it got to the point where emotional abuse, manipulation, like just everything. It was when, you know, you, I thoroughly now believe that we accept the love that we think that we deserve. And it was at a point where I had bad relationships with my family because I had just up and moved. Like I did not, you know, ask them about it, their two cents. I didn't encourage them to be a part of it. I was just like, I'm doing this. And it was at the age where you just think you know everything and you run the world and your parents know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, you know, been really selfish at the period of, in my life. And I had kind of burnt those bridges for the time being. I know, mm-hmm. like, luckily, you know, family is forever and they love you unconditionally, even when you don't, you know, accept the love that they're trying to give you. Um, but so I kind of ventured out and then I met this man and, you know, I put him, I'm an all or nothing type of person, hence bodybuilding. <laughs> We're all crazy. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't and know what that's like I at all. Was, yeah. And I was all in with him and he was the first person that I had been really intimate with on a different level. Yeah. And so like giving him that part of myself on top of, you know, just kind of uprooting my life, not knowing anyone, it was very easy for me to be manipulated to be yeah. a part of whatever he wanted me to be part of because I didn't have anything else other than like basketball and school. But he was a big, I met him through basketball. Yeah. And so he was already very involved in that part of my life. And so it was just to the point where I didn't have any sense of self anymore. I was just trying to be who I thought I was supposed to be and the woman that I thought I was supposed to be um, in living this, this lifestyle of, whatever um and yeah I just I had lost myself and then I tore my knee and I completely like crashed I was so heartbroken depressed about it whatever um and at that point I had found out that he had cheated on me like eight times and this was with girls that I would train with um and that I knew like on your team so I went to UNC Greensboro and I'll just say that I trained with, there are many division one institutions around that area. So there's Duke, there's UNC Chapel Hill, you know, people would come from all over the place to, to train, um, with this company. And so through that, you know, he would, you know, 
build relationships with people. And he had like an, an ex-girlfriend that he was always like messing around with or whatever. I don't, I don't really care. I don't know like all the details, but I just know that he was basically crazy. And, um, through that whole thing, I was, I, I went back, you know, I, I lived in it and I stayed in it because I was like, well, at the end of the day, at least I know what I'm getting, you know, <laughs> it's, it's that sense of comfortability. And it yeah. was that point in my life where I felt like I wasn't worth it. And so I accepted that type of love because I didn't see you know, what I was capable of. Yeah. I had no idea. And I wasn't even being myself. I hadn't even explored the parts of me that now I love. Like I never put them out there. Like mm-hmm. if you hadn't seen me in my like D1 basketball days, I was like thugga thugga young thugga, like listening to like future and rap music and like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And I was like, I put out this persona that I was like some hard, like hood bitch. And I'm like, that's not me, but like I had to be that on some level or I felt like I had to be that. Yeah. And so I just was like, inside I was broken, but like on the outside, I just came off like I was so hard. And I was like, I look back and I'm like, what the hell was wrong with me? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then through competing, that's actually how I got out. So funny, funny, short side story. Um, he was going away for something. And I told him I was going to visit uh, my aunt. And it was in the same area of my show. Um and when he was gone, I literally packed up everything I could fit in my car. Fuck and yes. I, drove. <laughs> I fucking just left. I had no money. I had no plan. I was like, I just need to get the fuck out of here. Whatever. You had intuition. Um, I'll figure it out later. And so that's what I did. And, you know, I, I have come out the other side so much stronger, so much better for it. Um, I don't think people, I feel, are ashamed to talk about their past or their previous histories because it makes them feel inadequate because people can judge them. But the thing is, if I am accepting my own past and I've overcome it, there's nothing that anybody could say about me that would impact the way that I feel about myself. Cause now I am so sound in who I am and I know who that is um, that when people try to throw shade or judge me or say certain things, I'm not triggered by it because it, it doesn't, it doesn't impact the foundation that I have within myself now. And like that, that knowing of who you are, regardless of what anybody else thinks and that whether people approve of it or not, I can still continue to walk in my light because that's what I'm going to do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, like how much you can transform from an experience. Yeah. And I hope the same comes out for you because I know that you just went through a pretty bad situation. Um, and I know that you're still trying to deal with it. And I know like the emotional impacts, the up and downs, like I get it when I say I've been there and like, and like I went through it, and then I went back and then I went through it again. And then it wasn't until I went through it again that I was like, okay, yeah, this is like complete bullshit and I deserve mm-hmm. 10,000 times better. So I, I get the struggle. Yeah. And I think with me, um, with this person, I should just give him a name. Let's call him Bob. Okay. Bob. Yeah. With Bob, like he already had done something similar before and I'm one of those who's like very forgiving like it's okay like people make mistakes like come it's fine like we can be together and the thing with I'm not gonna like diagnose these people but like the thing with manipulators and people who take advantage of other people is they're amazing manipulators and I think when you're so young and you're young 20s and you're vulnerable and you don't know what you want in life and 
you're, you're really easy to manipulate. And the thing with myself is I grew up fast and I really found myself in 2018, like just not only with competing, but just with my connections with like people on social media and my clients and my job. Like I had launched my business. I was really getting like my roots down and trying to really focus and figure out on like what I want. And this person I was with, I found like they were just using me for financial reasons and abusing me and my time, like not physically, but just like the emotional abuse and never feeling adequate enough. Or if you felt like something was wrong, they'd flip it on you. If you felt like they were like cheating on you, they would flip it on you. And it's like, you know what? Like, I'm not the problem. And I think it's so hard for women to like realize that to be like, I'm not the problem. They're the problem. Like I need to leave. And I mean, similar to you, I literally just packed all my shit when he went to work and I was like, I'm done. Like I'm done. I'm done wasting my time. I need to get out of here. It, I mean, all everyone can see it right now. Like I'm showing as much as I can of my life, but like, I'm definitely very emotional right now because it's a lot of energy that I had put into this person who has lied to me throughout our whole relationship. And it's just like sickening to me, but at the end of the day, like it could always be worse. I am out on the other side and um, I mean, I'm just exploring my options and exploring life and, you know, maybe it's here in Ohio, maybe it's somewhere else, but you know, now's the time for me to really figure out what I want um, when it comes to like location wise and nothing is permanent. I think that's super important is like, if you're in a toxic situation and you feel like it's permanent, it's not like, even if you're married and it's really bad and you're getting like abused, like nothing's permanent. Like you can get out and you, you really should, if it's like negatively impacting your health and physical and mental health. So. And that's like, that's like one thing I really am an advocate of because so I have stuck in relationships because of the game where it's like, oh, you're walking away because, you know, you don't have the discipline to work it out or what it's easier to walk away or mm-hmm. whatever. But I actually think that it's easier to stay. And yes, it I is. learned this. Um, I learned this from my mom who basically showed me like I that it's it's stronger it takes a strong person to walk away and not know what's going to happen next than it does for someone to stay in a situation where they know what's coming regardless of whether it's good or bad at least it's consistent and yeah I literally like watched my mom go through so much shit like she is a warrior I can't even tell you I think all moms are superheroes but like mine's just better like not better but in my opinion you know I'm biased (laughs) but she taught me to walk away from shit that doesn't serve me anymore and I like that hit me so hard and I just know that now like I I watched her do it time and time again she didn't need anybody my mom was a 23 year old with three little babies you know working I think like two or three jobs and she managed like to raise some amazing children. Now she she literally went from rags to riches. She I remember we lived in a condo. We used to drive uh, a little golden Honda, um, and I would go to the rec center with my brother after school, like in the after school program while my mom was working. But she we went from that, and my mom this last year in 2018, she just got her PhD. She's like a top doctor at the, her medical facility. She's a top dog. We 
have an amazing house like and she earned all of it she drives a mercedes now like Aww. and people can be like yeah your mom's bougie but like i watched her work her ass off to drive that mercedes Whatever. So you go mom you fucking you know what i mean you do what you need to do and it just it it makes me driven because i have no excuses to fail like there is no excuse i watched her do it i can't even imagine like being my age and having three kids right now on top of doing what I'm trying to do, I'd die. like I would have given up. And I just know that when your back is against the wall, you have two options. You can give up or you can square up and throw a punch. And like, that's, I'll just keep fighting. I'll get knocked down. But I'm going to tell you, this girl's getting right back up. <laughs> yeah. I like, when I was like packing my stuff and getting ready to leave and like, I literally had no plan. And like, I mean, I really don't even have like a sh- quote-unquote structured life plan because here's the thing about life like you can't plan it it just comes at you and you know like I like women like your mom that's so much more to overcome and I think that a lot of times we can get stuck in our feelings and to like pity ourselves and feel sorry for yourself but there's so many times where I'm just like shut up like get over it like you got out while you could it could have been worse so I think a lot of times too is like if you're pitting yourself like think of someone who inspires you and this sounds cheesy too but like oprah had a, like a kid at 13 like what <laughs> like that stuff is crazy and mm-hmm. it could always be worse so sometimes you know it's okay to have emotions it's okay to cry it's okay to have times like that but you can't keep pitting yourself like you need to just get over it Yeah. And it's like sometimes like I have now found much more value in relationships with people that can throw the bullshit card and call me out than people who are like the hype men, like me goes in the background. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need that. And it's not pushing me to be better. I need people around me that are going to challenge me and not be like, oh yeah, that's fine. Or, oh yeah, you know, just keep doing you or, or make the, the exception, like what, that what you're doing is okay. Cause it, they want to do it too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I just find that there are so many faulty, like what we call quote unquote friendships, um, that aren't of quality at all. Uh, yeah. but they just, yeah, I don't know. There's this good quote that said like, um, if a friendship is like leaving you feeling like you are constantly serving them and you're not getting anything in return it's not a friendship you need to abandon ship like Mm -hmm. talking about how like friendship is kind of like a boat and like if you're constantly like pouring the water out for them like giving into them and like you just need to abandon ship which I kind of like that because I feel like a lot of friendships are one-sided where like for example like if you're to like call me for some reason and like you needed something of course I pick up the phone but there's definitely people who are like ugh, I don't have time for that like you know those people who just like they want you to pick up the phone and like they call you but like vice versa they don't want to be there for you and that's like really gross to me yeah that's one-sided <laughs> that's uh, to me that's not a real friendship it's it's someone that wants you when you can give them some type of tool or advantage And then when you need, you know, when they don't need you, that's fine. Like, bye. But that's not, that's just immaturity at its finest. I think that's people that aren't willing to do the work or figure it out themselves. So they want a handout. And I see that a lot, especially in our generation. It drives me bullshit. Yeah. I always hate, like, this is like such like another side topic is when I'll get like the DMs of people wanting advice when it comes to training and nutrition. And Mm -hmm. it's like, thank you but like I've invested years and lots of money into my education and I have experience 
and you're still wanting like a handout like I hope you realize how much time and effort I put into not only my podcast but my Instagram like there's a lot of free crap out there and not everything is free no more than that I uh, the question that drives me insane is when people are like, how did you, how did you get started coaching? How do I become a coach? Like, you don't just become a coach. Like, I don't get that. Like, yeah, you or, joined for, <laughs> I don't want to say people that I competed for the first time. And all of a sudden they're, they're prep coaches. I'm like, do you have any idea? Like I'm getting my master's in this stuff. Yeah. Like, and even after I graduate, like the science is ever evolving. Like it's not just concrete cut and dry. And that's where you get people that are just coaching out of ignorance and, and fucking up people and not being able to educate them, not because they might not want to, but because they don't have the knowledge to answer the question. And if you don't yeah. have the knowledge to answer the question, I mean, what are you doing? I, I, I get it. that. Like, it's nice. The idea working from home is nice, but I'm literally sitting in the office right now. I I've been working all day. <laughs> it's a Saturday. This is my Saturday night turn up. Like, I literally am trying to educate myself more on programming for Olympic lifting because I don't Olympically lift. I, I'm not well practiced in it. So yeah. what would I do? I'm consulting with other people on how to build this program because I don't know everything. And I'm okay to say I don't know everything. Like, yes, is, I, mean, I was it's just, just... say that I hate when people think I have all the answers too, and like, I can drop my ego and say, hey, like, I don't know. You want to have, like, super specific, like, gut issues that you really need help with? I'm sorry. I'm not your girl. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not me. So, like, I think that says a lot about you and your character is, like, you're able to drop, like, your ego, too. Not that you really have much of an ego, but, like, you're able to just say, like, hey, I don't know. Um, Or sometimes I'll say, like, hey, I don't know right now. Let me try to find out for you. But if I can't find out, like, I'm not going to bullshit you and, like, (laughs) tell you something that's not true. Right. And I know that there's a lot of people that talk in absolutes and this drives me insane, especially in the scientific community. It's like, we don't know anything. Like, even if there's a strong correlation, that doesn't even mean causation. Like, we just that needs to be a blanket statement. Like, you can't just say, oh, well, this causes this. Like, no, it doesn't. They might be related, but that doesn't cause anything. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, I I don't do CrossFit. I don't practice you know olympic lifts i don't i've never programmed for it i i don't do it so why would i ever and to me this would just be like being irresponsible as a coach like why would i throw together a program with olympic lifts that i'm not even sure how to accurately like adjust for volume like with those movements because they're so body like full body focused like i would be a shit coach for doing that i could injure somebody i could like, I don't even know. Like, I would not want that on me. So why would I not reach out to my resources and have someone help me? Not only is it going to give me an education on how to do this in the future, but it's going to ensure that I'm giving my clients the best possible coaching guidance that I can because I have access to those people. Why would I not use them? Like, I just think that's stupid. Yeah. And I also think, too, is like when people just stop educating, like, yeah, you can have credentials behind your name, but that only goes so far. Like, are you trying to constantly learn? Like, there's so much free resources out there like I have like you're getting your master's but like I have my bachelor's and like there's still like I'm not like oh I have my bachelor's check mark done done learning like no like first off everything I learned in my undergraduate is probably outdated considering it took time to get into textbooks and get published so by the time I even learned this information it's probably outdated which I called my professors out all the time on that too (laughs) and I think it's funny that even like even the books that we use now in school like there's research that suggests that the principles that are in those books are like way the fuck left, but they're still there because the new versions, the updated versions, they take 
many different edits to go through and actually get published before they're on the <laughs> right. shelf and people are digesting the content. So if you're not actively pursuing knowledge, whether it's reading research, and I think everyone should learn how to read research and interpret it on their own. At um, least learn how to read the abstract. Well, even the abstract is tricky. Like I've, I've read many abstracts that suggest important findings or implications when in fact, if you really interpret the data and you understand the methods that they use in the protocol and how to interpret that stuff, it's not as cut and dry as they make it sound because it doesn't, it's not as sexy as that what certain people in research might want to sell you, um, uh-huh. especially bigger name people. But if mm-hmm. you don't understand the methodology and stuff and, or even look at you know, as far as even subject pools, like all of that stuff plays a factor in the outcome of the study. Yeah. Um, so either way, I, I can nerd out on that all night. But yeah. regardless, it's, I just think that everyone should be at least somewhat practiced in reading research and that even if you do read the abstract, like you should look at the data and look at what the data is actually showing and how they're analyzing it. Um, yeah. Because that is a role in what is or is not quote unquote statistically significant. Um, of the findings and whether or not that statistical significance is really applicable and how much error is in whatever methods that they're using. Yeah. And just like a friendly reminder too to like people who want to be a quote unquote online coach and work from home. I hope that you're ready to do all the other fun stuff where you're doing the financial side, the taxes, the admin work, the follow-up work, like you're gonna, you're wearing a lot of hats and you're working a lot. Like I get so many people, I'm in the Midwest too. So like nobody really understands what I even do. I think they just think I like play unicorns all day. I don't know. Um, yeah, like everyone thinks it's sexy. But like, yeah, I own my own business. I work from home and I'm like, like I said, it's literally a Saturday night and I've been working all day. Like yeah. I don't, this is not like I do this because I love it. Like I really, I truly have a passion for everything that I do. Cause if I'm not interacting with my clients or writing plans, I'm researching, I'm doing all that stuff. I'm right now getting ready to submit, um, my, a study design that I'd like to run, um, next year that I'll be able to talk more about, uh, once I get the approval, but it's a lot of stuff, but I'm a nerd of this sport. I'm a nerd of what I do because it's really is like full spectrum, a lifestyle for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I can't say how much passion I have for not only the pursuit of, of gains, life, liberty, and the pursuit of gains, um, but the knowledge for it too. And yeah. if you don't have that and you don't understand what you're doing, just understand that health and wellness is not something that you should be practicing lightly. And if people are coming to you, you need to be being honest with them because you are giving them a template for the decisions that they are going to make. And unfortunately, there are many people, <clears throat> Brady Don, that Jesus. Have, have, have fucked people over by trying to run these awesome platforms because they but look like fit lean, and they're though. beautiful. And she has and they, like half a million followers, so she has to know things, right? <laughs> right. And it's just like the image that you put out there. But let me tell you, real health and fitness, real health it's and like overall dreaded. fitness is not sexy and glamorous and edited and whatever. It's... A long fucking road and it requires a lot of patience and a lot of consistency and if you don't have those traits you need to start there <laughs> yeah um what else do i want to get into i don't know i kind of cut you off when we were talking about your relationship we went on a tangent somehow and ended up here <laughs> i know i don't even know what to call this podcast to be honest <laughs> Jesus. saturday night turn up <laughs> girl talk 
boobs, boys, and fitness. Bullshit. Boobs, boys, and business. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yes, three Bs. Talk about an alliteration. I'm all about my alliterations and analogies, so. Yeah, same. Hashtag single as a dollar bill. Hashtag Saturday night turn up. Fun fact, speaking of prep life. um, Yeah. Girl, can we talk about your one week transformation? (laughs) That was just silly. (laughs) No, it was ridiculous. I was literally here working with Paul and he was like, oh, Nicole. And I was like, oh, Nicole, very. And you literally, it was the funniest thing ever. You had just sent me your side by side picture. And I was like, oh, wait till you see Nicole's update. He's like, Nicole Ferry? And I was like, yeah. And I, he's like, oh, she did check in today. And I was like, have you seen it? And he was like, no. And I was like, wait till you open that, baby. He was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like freaked out. He's like, are you eating? I was like, I swear to God, I'm eating. I don't understand. <laughs> it was so crazy. But like, literally, the stress of relationships, especially when they're toxic, like, you don't know how bad you're feeling, how much stress is on you until you rid yourself of it and literally wash yourself away from it. Your entire life, quality of life can change. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, too. Like, I mean, although there, there's only one day where I under my macros, but, like, prep has helped keep me, like, sane and structured throughout this whole transition in my life. And, like, um, he joked with me. He's like, don't get, like, the breakup body. I'm like, honestly, like, it's very nice to have prep during, like, a stressful time because I can rely on that structure and so many people are like waiting for this perfect time to prep and I'm like I've just come to the conclusion there is no perfect time to prep so I don't care if you're in college I don't care if you are moving like you're it's fine to prep if, as long as your heart is totally into it and you're financially able to do so and you're in a healthy place like go ahead and go for it like you're gonna have challenges regardless so just deal with it yeah and I think that there's a certain, I mean, there, I think that there's a point where you have to be aware of the decision you're making, because I also think that a lot of people jump into prep, not knowing how much discipline and dedication it takes, because they think it's sexy, because they followed someone else that did a prep, and they look good, um, and unfortunately, like, I tell people, you need to invest in this, you need to know it's going to take up a lot of your time, so if you have a summer of traveling and events to be at, that's probably not the summer that you need to be prepping, mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, like, it's never going to go perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect prep. Like, unless you're just, like, a, I don't know, a, a housewife of a bachelor with no children and you just get to hang out by the pool and drink martinis and, like, maybe, <laughs> like, I don't even know how that would work. I don't but, know. There is yeah. no perfect prep. Yeah. And even, like, the idea that it's going to run smoothly is never a thing. No. I think... um I mean, there's definitely absolute things that you should have in place. Like one, the reason why my body's responding so well is I took some time off and like, even like during surgery, I like, I really took a good amount of time off from like really intense training. Like this is probably the most intense training I've done in a while. Um, and I think it's been like a fresh new stimulus for my body and it's like, I'm having it and my body's responding, but you know, I took the time to even put on some weight, um, Granted, you know, some of the weight I put on the last month of my life, that sounded weird, but I put on some weight pretty fast. And like, that was also a red flag for me that like something was up with like, not just my food, like just my body, because like my food wasn't really changing, but my body had increased weight like so fast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, and I'm happy it lost it very fast. But I definitely think that the stress weight was something to do with it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Stress plays such a factor. I can't even tell people enough. I'm like, so people will freak out of the scale being up like a pound and a half, two pounds, which for me, like you have to take into consideration all the things that are going to play a factor in that. But that's another tangent. Yeah. But the amount of energy that you're putting into stressing about that pound and a half that came up from yesterday is going to do more damage than if you just let it go and execute what you can. That's why you have a coach. If you are going to question their protocol and not listen or, you know, try to manipulate it in your own fashion, you know, you're really just throwing money out the window, hiring a coach in the first place. Yeah. Um, I don't even really stress out about weight fluctuations, honestly, unless no, like even during my period, I'll gain like seven pounds of water. I'm like, meh, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, because it's normal. And once once you look at the number on the scale as data and not as anything that gives worth or anything like that, if you can separate your emotion from that number and look at it objectively, it's actually a really good data point. And it's actually really interesting to look at um, as far as like certain things that will impact your weight. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of people are so emotionally tied, especially females, that you can't get to that point. Yeah, um, And for me, it, it was something that I struggled with for a super long time. Um, it wasn't even really until recently that I've been able to be like, okay, yeah, three pounds. Yep. Okay. Well, I didn't poop and I had a free meal from <laughs> studying fire and, you know, I haven't been sleeping because of, you know, all this IRB submission that I used to do or whatever it might be. Um, and literally like that amount of de-stress that I get, you know, it, I mean, it really can impact like your bowels in general <laughs> um, and all that stuff. So I don't know. I just think that everybody needs to get there at some point. I think it's a healthy thing to do is to get there where you can look at it objectively. Unfortunately, I just don't see it happen very often. Yeah. And, you know, I, this is another talk for another day, but like with disordered eating, like a lot of people attach these numbers to their self-worth. And I always just encourage people to, if you're like associating a number with your self-worth, ask yourself why, like really dive deep into that number and like where you even pull that number out of your ass from and why it's even of value to you. Cause I'm not going to talk about certain numbers, but I'm sure like we all have like this quote unquote ideal number of weight Mm -hmm. that we think we should be. And it's really interesting if you just like look back and think of where you pulled that number from. And it was probably something silly, maybe from a magazine or something like someone told you once and you value that person's opinion or valued this person that you quote unquote looked up to it's very interesting to find that connection and once you break up with that ideal of this number and it being tied to you and your worth it's really liberating because I remember when I struggled really hard like the idea of ever being in the 130s scared the absolute crap out of me and Mm -hmm. now like I mean I'm almost five seven like 130 is a healthy weight like that is not unhealthy at all um but it used to scare the crap out of me until like I really worked on my relationship of like, why do I even care if like the numbers like from a two to a three, like it's not that big of a deal. So the funniest thing. And um, <laughs> so I'm just going to be very honest right here. And I'm not throwing Paul under the bus at all. Okay. But I remember before I ever like started working with Paul, I watched one of his YouTube videos and it was, when you think you're stage lean, you need to lose 10 more pounds. <laughs> and it's true for most people. Yeah. But I was the person that didn't need to lose 10 more pounds. 
And so when I looked at myself and I was like, I'm competing at this weight, but I need to lose 10 more pounds. Like that 10 pounds just stuck in my head. And it was funny. Because you Um, value, you value Paul's opinion and your brain just manipulated it in the wrong way. Yeah. And I just held on to it. Like it wasn't, and this was something he, this was before I was working with him. And this was something he was just putting out to the general public about competing and being lean versus healthy lean, like, you know, stage lean. And it was just something that, cause I had all of his advice to that point that I had followed was completely correct. Um, and it helped me get through a lot of struggles that I had coming out of a, a contest prep with a coach that just kind of left me. Um, and I didn't have an exit plan or strategy and I knew nothing about reverse dieting at the time. Um, so I was kind of spinning my wheels and luckily I found his channel and through that I got, you know, back on track and I reached out to him on Instagram every now and again, and he got back to me and, you know, helped me kind of get through that phase. But I remember watching that video and it still to this day has stuck with me. And so even when I'm in prep now, like, I'm like, I need to lose 10 more pounds. And it was funny when I moved to Tampa, I had this conversation with him um, before we decided to do Miami. Cause after junior nationals, you know, my entire game plan was I need to be leaner. I need to be leaner. I'm not working hard enough. Like that 10 pounds was just like, I need to get, <laughs> I need to get it off. I need need to lose my no weight to lose. I need to lose some bones. Yeah. Like literally I was shredded, but I didn't see it. And, and he let me, cause it was one of those things where one thing I love about Paul is he'll call you on your shit. But if, you know, if he wants you to come in with whatever package is going to make you happiest because that's his job as coach. And so for him, I was, he's like, you don't need to be leaner. We need to fill you out. But I, I was so resistant. I was like, I want to do more cardio. I cut my food. And he's like, I'm not cutting your food you know, if you need to do more cardio, then, you know, walk five more minutes. And like, at the end of the day, the walking of five minutes wasn't going to change anything with with my body. But it was it was one of those things where I felt like I had to push and he was trying to give me honest, objective guidance. But I was so lost in like that, that idea of like being I needed to be leaner, I wasn't lean enough. And you see it, I mean, I, I, my peak week photos, without all the tan and, and the stage lighting and everything, I had straight glutes. You're I had stringy hamstrings. I had, I mean, I was shredded to the bone. I had my body fat tested, and that's, I posted a picture the other day. Like, I was 6.5% as a female. Like, I was ridiculous. I was so out of whack hormonally, and I, I had lost. I was just like, woo. Um, but it's funny because I asked him that afterwards before we decided to do Miami, and we reversed and put on a good amount of weight, and I was a little bit, you know, resistant to that. But, um, he was like, yeah, I say that to the general population, Kate, like you are delusional. It's like you're psycho. So you're different. Yeah. <laughs> and it was after I had that conversation with him, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done trying to do it my way. Like I need to do it his way. And so even just, you know, coming out of that and now I literally don't overthink it. I don't double, you know, double check That's... anything. I just literally change my macros in my fitness pal and go about my business. That's why even being a coach, you need a coach. Cause absolutely. Comes... I can't say that enough. Like people ask me all the time, do you have a coach or are you not good enough to coach yourself? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a great yeah. coach. But the thing is, I'm not objective with myself. I know that like, I have no issue saying like I struggle with body dysmorphia, both going down and coming out the other side on the reverse. Like I struggle on both ends and I know that. And if I didn't have a coach, like I would literally be spinning my wheels in emotional distress. It would be so toxic to my mind that I would just be hurting myself more than I would be helping myself. And I literally can say that with like full transparency. I don't care what anyone thinks about that. 
Yeah. I have no shame in saying I have a coach. And I mean, I look at it just like as an athlete, like I had a coach for all my sports and this is just another sport that I take seriously. And, you know, I don't know it all. And when it comes to my body and how I see myself, I know I don't see myself right. Um, I don't think anyone sees themselves right. I've talked to plenty of male competitors and they don't see themselves right. So it, I, it's... I think that is so under talked about. I actually am talking to someone now about the possibility of them coming onto my podcast and talking about men in physique sports and the body dysmorphia that they go through because it's, it's a real thing, but guys don't like, to, like no one really likes to talk about it, but men, especially I, and it, it's, it breaks my heart, but I don't feel like anybody should be shamed um, to go through the experience that they're going through. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get help that you need if you're not open about it. Um, but that's yeah. a whole nother ramble for a whole nother podcast. I need to get some guys on here and talk about it. Cause I know there's so many that are like, Oh, like they, a lot of them deal with being too small. Like sometimes I'll be like, I'm mm-hmm. too small, I'm too small, or I'm not lean enough. I'm not lean enough. And I'm just like, you're huge. Like you have so much muscle and you don't see it. It's just so interesting to me. Like guys deal with it too. But of course, like it seems to be like vanity is more of like a feminine type issue. And in reality, it's like nobody sees themselves right in the mirror. Like unless you have a exploded ego, which you're still not seeing yourself correct in the mirror, just in the opposite direction. Absolutely. And it's, it's tough, man. And I think that everybody that participates in some type of elite sport gets to that point where they're willing to do anything and they start to lose sight of pers- like of what matters and the life that is around them, the like perspective and the longevity of what they're in um, because they're so focused on that one goal right now. Um, and it's sad. Yeah. Um, so I think we're almost at like an hour. Yeah. Um, how should we end this? Let's do something. So maybe we should end it with like a fun question. Okay. Something uplifting. (laughs) I know it's such a dark topic. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Kate, what was the best thing, best client transformation that you had this week that touched you? Oh my goodness. My clients absolutely kill me. I can't even tell you. So there's this guy I've actually been working with. His name's Michael. And when I tell you, when I met Michael, he was, had no idea what clean eating was, how to feel good, how to train consistently. Like he was lost. He was depressed. He was just, I, I hope he doesn't mind. I'm, I'm completely exposed. We him don't right know his last name. Michael and I did call him, I did call him by name. <laughs> um, it's Bob. And he has overgone such a transformation physically he looks like he literally is half the person he used to be but more than that his mental state is 10,000 times better like when people come to me they come to me to lose weight most of the time however that's their main goal but they don't realize that this desire is being impacted by so many outside things that they just haven't dealt with and going through these types of processes like really opens their mind to what it feels like to actually feel good, what it feels like to actually like train and train hard and get the benefit and the endorphins. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I can't train. It's, it's so hard. It requires so much work, but in all honesty, it's like such a therapy and it can be very uplifting for a lot of people. And he's just come out the other side, like, like a champ. And I rave about him so many times, but time and time again, like this kid has been through it. He has not had it easy. He didn't grow up or have resources that are easy. And, 
he made no excuses. He just executes and he loves it. And it, it just makes me so fulfilled that I could impact that one life by doing what we do. And like, that's why I do it. So yeah, I'm going to get all emotional, but I love Michael. He's, he's, he's an amazing, amazing human. And I'm so, 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 so proud of him and all my friends. I'm so proud of them. I used to always have like little emotional cries and stuff from like clients. And there's one client that sticks to my brain that I think about daily. Um, I'll just give her like a letter. Um, I'll call her E. She'll know she listens, but she hasn't, she dealt with um, bulimia when we first started working together and I made sure that it was in our past, but she still dealt with the thoughts of wanting to do that and mm-hmm. which that's different between the actual action and the thoughts, but the thought process during someone in recovery is going to be there for a while. Um, Cause I think with eating disorders, it's a lifelong recovery process. And although you could be away from the actions and be restored mentally, you're not fully restored. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I asked her, I was like, you know, like we've been working together for almost a year now. I was like, when's the last time, like, you felt guilty after eating something. She's like, I, I don't really remember Nicole. Like, I think it was maybe like in the summer. And I was like, so you're having untracked meals and you feel okay. And she's like, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like I'm present with people and people are noticing like my friends and family, they're noticing that I'm present with food. And, um, you know, like I'm, I don't feel like I need to run it off or burn off the calories. Like I feel good. Like the fact that other people in this woman's life is are like noticing her mental like changes and realizing like hey she's not overwhelmed like she's present with us like she's enjoying herself like I mean she's lost a lot of weight and like her whole composition has changed when we reverse diet her and she looks amazing but the fact that like her social life has improved like that's just incredible to me and no one deserves to feel like a slave to food and their thoughts like that's just horrible so i'm really hashtag proud of body by freedom yes. i know macros for life <laughs> seriously that's but, so good yeah no it like i always get in the feels <laughs> yeah we're yeah it's it's nice for sure it's it's amazing it really is we could we should do a podcast on eating disorders uh, we should um, I was like looking at the whole app and I think that we can get someone else on here too, like multiple people, but, um, it'd be cool to kind of do some sort of like a round table. Yeah. I would really like that. So, but I have some people in mind, we'll collaborate on that, but, um, yeah, so this is going to be posted on both of our podcasts. If you guys are wanting to find Kate and you're listening on my platform, Beyond the Bikini, you can find all of her information down in the description. And Kate, um, thanks for you chatting. You can find Nicole if you listen to all mine. I'll put all her stuff down there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone is like starting to like listen to both of us. Who knows? Maybe we'll do more dual things. But um, yeah, boobs, business, and boys. <laughs> yes but, the three b's i know but all right um have a good night kate <laughs> you too nicole it was a nice therapy session i know <laughs>